Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. What many people don't realize is that apartment hunting in Paris is like searching for wild truffles. Sure, you can find them. You can even find excellent ones if you're extremely lucky. But one thing is for sure, you need a lot of luck to even find a bad one. Salut! Salut, ça va? Ça va bien, toi? Ah, je suis fatiguée. Mais voilà. <laughs> I'm yeah, tired and cold. Yeah, it's that kind of a weekend. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. We're in the depths of winter, I feel. Yes. It is. It's snowing. Still not cold enough for um, the canal in Ottawa to freeze, which is very disappointing. Oh. So there may not be any canal skating this year. Oh, no. I know you like to do that. Love it. Love it very touristy. Anyway, I'm so excited to chat today because we're talking about something that honestly we both shared um many years ago as like a foundational fun enjoyable book slash listen. Like it'll be a nice easy chat. It, it reminds me of like what we did in the first season of our, this podcast so many many years ago. Yeah, like you said I read this book when it came out in 2020 and then re-read it through the audio experience uh, when that was released as well. (laughs) Uh, So we're talking about Paris on Air by Oliver G, who is a very famous podcaster from Paris and knows all about the Paris scene. I definitely use his blog, books, podcasts to uh, learn more about the city. So he's an awesome source along with his wife uh parisian postcards or lena norton g who has a very awesome instagram as well with a lot of cool recommendations so if you're interested in what we're saying today and want to check them out definitely recommend going over and listening yes. to them there is a wealth of content and uh i like watched some of their videos when we were planning our trip to paris so it's a great resource for sure i'm super excited to chat about this again because we both like it's really Back to that, like, foundational welcome to Paris, here's all the info kind of thing. So I was super excited. But before we dive in, what are you drinking today? I just have a nice cup of coffee. I am warming myself up. I am very (laughs) cold, as you can see, but the listeners can't. I have a hat and a scarf and blanket. I'm freezing. So I'm warming up with my coffee. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) That sounds lovely. I have a tea, just a regular old black tea. I think we're we're going basic today. Yes. <laughs> just warm drinks for a cold day. Absolutely. So, well, let's dive in. Before we get started too much, I will also be talking about a second book, uh, which is also a memoir of Paris, and it's called Number 9192, Notes on a Parisian Commute by Lauren Elkin. We're definitely going to focus on Paris on Air, but in case you want to look up the title or the author later on, that's who I'm referring to uh, in the episode. So let's get started. I'm excited. What were your 
overall thoughts of Paris on Air? Like what makes you enjoy this book and coming back to this source over and over again? So I I read this a while ago and I refreshed my memory before we were chatting today. I realized that I feel like it's an Emily in Paris, but way, way better. Like it's just, it's that foreigner comes to Paris. Here's all you need to know. Here are the quirks. Here's the fun stuff. Here's the not so fun stuff. But it's like a legit version of that. Mm-hmm. So I I really enjoyed it for that. Oliver has such a great casual tone in the way he writes. And so yes. it really feels like someone's just recounting their lives to you as like, a, today, this is what happened to me. And obviously, I loved it because I connected so hard to so much of it <laughs> as like when brought me back to our assistant days arriving in Charles de Gaulle and being super overwhelmed by things and all of the little... Uh, idiosyncrasies that come with living in France, honestly. Although, you know, Paris is for sure unique and I don't have that experience like you do. Still, it was a lot of, there was a lot for me to connect to. No, I think that was my general takeaway as well. I was laughing and crying as I read the book because (laughs) it's so relatable of trying to open a bank account and having such issues Mm. or the overdrafting because you didn't even know you could. Like it's a lot of actual nitty-gritty stuff that you don't necessarily get in the glossy versions of here's my expat life I do like how he shows us those moments of wow this is incredible I can't believe this is my experience at the same time he's presenting like you said the very relatable this is what it takes he even opens his his book with a very interesting way of how he comes to Paris as a journalist. So he's asking questions. He's arriving in Paris at a very unique time. So he's talking about the terrorist attacks that happened. And that's a pivotal moment, I think, in the life of the city itself and has had lasting effects on people. So I'm happy he dove straight in to the harder hitting, this is a living city in a way. This has its own story. My story is part of it, but there's a larger space and a lot of conversations to be had. You know, I love his journalistic style of how he gets into that and and brings a lot of other people in. And so you get a lot of different perspectives, not just French Parisians, but French from all over, expats from all over. It's great. Yeah. I love the way that he centered things on like like sort of events that happened in France. He actually is unfortunately more than one because of the time that he was in Paris. So he arrives right after the Charlie Hebdo attacks. That's the background to it. And so he's coming to Paris to sort of report on this issue. But later he, he talks about being in Paris for the November attacks at the Stade de France or Stade de France, Stade de Paris. What yeah. So we're talking about 2015. So Charlie Hepto was in January of 2015. And then in November of 2015, there were multiple terrorist attacks. So you're right. One of them was around the Stade de France, they weren't able to actually get into the stadium, but there were a lot of Mm -hmm. bars that were attacked. And then they also attacked bars in the city center in the 10th and 11th Mm -hmm. arrondissement. And again, it was people on uh, the terraces and in bars that were targeted. And most notably was also the Bataclan, which is a event center. And there was a rock concert Mm -hmm. that was happening and people were taken hostage and killed in that uh venue space so again all of it's pretty center charlie hepto's office is 
at the time were actually pretty close in proximity to where the other attacks would later happen. So that was 2015. But that's the yeah the scene that he arrives in Paris in and has his first year of Paris. Yeah, and I just thought it was it was it was really interesting, but also very real that you sort of your experiences are centered around these large events, far less of a large event. When I was assistant for my second year, was right in the thick of the Gilets Jaunes protests. And it did sort of take over a lot of the conversation that I had that year because there was just so much of, there's so much attention on, you know, what was going on right then. And um, it obviously affects the political level as well. But those attacks and uh, that time period was really unique and i can imagine affected everything else about his experience there which he he, he does talk about you know mm-hmm. how it it he was going into reporting mode and talking about it but also realizing that he w- could easily have been on these streets that night yeah and he talks about how his friends and all of that frequent a lot of these places and i too now frequent a lot of these places so it's a very popular area to be in especially for young adults you know 20s 30s Mm -hmm. but really just any parisian and i think that's what was so heartbreaking for these attacks is that it really could have been anybody and that's always so scary yeah and i think that's what teachers felt whenever the teacher was attacked and we talked about that on our podcast when that happened but a lot of teachers felt that could have been them as well he was presenting the charlie hebdo information and that's what led to his attack uh later on yeah so it's all still very relevant uh even today but let's move away from the political scene and more into his life because he does present a lot of interesting tidbits on a lighter side Uh, so he starts as a journalist and kind of discusses how he moves into his podcast and creating it and it was all about trying to get to the true heart and soul of Paris and learn. And because he realized it's impossible, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's Mm -hmm. still going years Mm -hmm. later and still learning. And I definitely agree. I think anyone that loves France can tap into, you're constantly learning just like any other country, right? Like it evolves. So it is crazy. He's uncovered a lot of different aspects of Paris. And I really enjoyed writing down certain things. But I would say he also takes us outside of Paris in his little red scooter. And that was a great part mm-hmm. of this book was that he spends his honeymoon with Lena traveling around France on a little red scooter. And I loved that because it's such a Paris centric book. And yet he takes the time to make sure everyone's quite aware of everything else that's happening in France outside of Paris. And I really liked that addition, even if he didn't make it to Nancy because he cut his honeymoon short. <laughs> <laughs> My experience of France, and at least of some of the Parisians that I met, is that it's very common for people in Paris to travel outside. Like, it's not the New York situation where people, there are people in New York who have never left New York. Like, it is, you know, it's a very, it's a world into itself. Although Paris is a little bit like that because of its size and because, you know, it's so it's such a large city. I do feel like a, it's very common for people to summer somewhere else or oh, take absolutely. a vacation to Brittany. Yeah, like it's that's that's a that's a kind of a central part about it as well. It's like traveling within France. Oh yeah, I mean France is incredible. There's everything here. There's five six mountain ranges. There's skiing. There's beaches, north and mm. south, Atlantic and Mediterranean. You have everything. So absolutely, I do think people tend to get out. I know a lot of Parisians that will go to Normandy for the weekend or for summers. Like Deauville is very popular. 
uh, location. Yeah. Other, like you mentioned, he goes to Brittany and has an experience in Brittany with his Breton friend. But no, I, I agree. I think a lot of people do travel for weddings, weekends away, definitely in the summer. Everyone's very well aware of the summer patterns of the French and taking three to four weeks off and heading somewhere. So that's often in France. <laughs> This reminds me so much of when the COVID protocols were put in place and the people were going to have to be quarantining, that there was those images of like the roads leading out of Paris and they were just absolutely full of cars because everyone was trying to leave the city and go to some country location. (laughs) Yeah, get to that second residence apartment somewhere. Absolutely. The other thing that he talks about is uh, learning the language. Mm Mm-hmm. We should give a little bit of background. He's Australian, born and raised, but his mother is British, so he has a British passport, which essentially allows him to be anywhere in Europe, like work and live anywhere in Europe. So when we because this meet is him before he's... Brexit, yes, because you know that's a beautiful thing yes. before Brexit. Not that we have an opinion. I'm not a British citizen. I didn't vote in the referendum, but I'm just saying I would want the ability to work and live in any European country. But you know. So when we meet him in the beginning of the book, he is living and working in Sweden and he's sent to Paris for the Charlie Hebdo coverage. And he says that he has some like, uh, I think it's either high school or university level French. Um, And he's like, it'll come back to me. And he really struggles with it uh, in in the book. He talks about how difficult it is. And there's one line that I read this morning that I just was like, I need to say this. He's talking to a friend and they say, oh, you've got a long way to go, my friend. You're not going to learn this language if you expect logical explanations. <laughs> like, I love that. Logical <laughs> explanations. Case, <laughs> like, just, just, I was actually talking about this with a friend whose partner is learning French and we were saying like, like liaison and things, things like that, which are case by case. And why is it at-il and not a-il? And you're like, because it sounds better. It just is. Look, it, it just is. You got to learn it the way it is. That's that's what it is. So <laughs> we'll move on from that. Yes, no, it's true. And I really appreciate his vulnerability and honesty when it comes to integrating. He's clearly an extrovert, unlike the two of us who are Dutch. We're yes. definitely more introverted. So his experience of just walking up to a basketball pickup game and asking him to play oh. or... He does this quite a bit of reaching out, talking to people, and I get that, and I've had to force myself to do it, but it is so hard, especially in a second language, especially in a a culture that you might not know how it works. You know, if I'm in the U.S., I kind of have a general sense there's going to be some common themes or common yeah way things go, whereas in France, it can be completely different. So I just really appreciated that even as an adult man saying I was so scared, but I'm really glad I did it. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is clearly extremely extroverted. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Even even in his extrovertedness, he was struggling uh, often with integrating into a new culture, which is totally normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it is a entirely different culture. Anyway, I, I just love that. He also talks about French administration. Yeah. Uh, do we want to air some grievances right now? <laughs> oh, just they're always so difficult and so time consuming, for sure. I don't even have anything else to say besides, oh, it's so <laughs> fatiguing. 
<laughs> You've just been broken down by it. Yeah, no, it, it, it just, it again, brought me back to all of the different steps that are needed for even just the eight months that we were assistants. It was like a lot of administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big to burden to put on other people. And like, it's, anyway, I'm sure it's similar in other areas, but it, it is a uniquely French, like, uh, grievance, I will say. Well, and it's the catch-22 of you get stuck in a circular pattern if you need a document but to get to the document you have to have the document to do something else and that's just no win situation at all so (laughs) (laughs) he also does a great job of explaining the arrondissement which is something he also does a lot on his youtube channel Mm -hmm. he he goes into the different different sort of areas and how each of them have a pretty unique vibe Mm -hmm, which i really love and he said his first apartment was in the seventh arrondissement i believe no 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 no. oh he lived in the second he currently lives in the seventh though oh okay gotcha (laughs) yeah anyway it was uh super cool to have him explain the different arrondissement and how everything can feel very close to each other but even just a couple blocks away in a different area you have a very different population you have a very different status wealth status Mm -hmm. and you have very different culture Yes, absolutely. That is 100% true. Living in the 18th, there are multiple parts of the 18th and they're not equal for sure (laughs) is the polite way to say it. Mm -hmm. But you can definitely get the feel if you ask someone where they live and they live in the 16th. They're going to have a very different experience in the 16th than if they lived in the 13th or the 12th, uh, which are across the river and kind of far away or very different than living in the second or fourth you know it's very unique each of them have their own charms and probably drawbacks depending on how you look at it but absolutely very different zones yeah well I guess the only other thing I'll say that I noticed about the book that I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. was the love story it's really romantic it is He's he's a real he's a real romance guy. When he gets to Paris, he is single and pretty I think it's pretty quickly he starts going on dates with Lena, who is also she is well sorry, I say also he's not Swedish, but she is Swedish and and they get along great. Like it's just really cute. There are lots of little stories peppered in about like losing pillowcases on window <laughs> out of windows and like going to expensive restaurants accidentally. Yeah. But it also uh, the first part of the book is his proposal to her. Mm-hmm. So it like starts at that point and then he goes, "Okay, now that you know the end, let's tell you the whole story." I just think it was really cute. I loved it as well. I loved learning about their wedding, even if it was outside of the Paris sphere again. It was just great how he weaved in and out and provided so much personal details at the same time of telling a larger story. And I thought it was very well done. There are definitely a couple goals. I love following their journey. And I really appreciate how they both can just laugh at themselves. And that comes through so much in the book. They just get themselves into situations. And he often says on the podcast, you know, it will be a story later. And that's such a good life perspective of instead of getting flustered or upset that your pillows are now, you know, (laughs) multiple stories below, you know, it's going to be a story later. It's a great thing that I should probably integrate more into my life (laughs) 
yeah, I, I love that. I think it's the greatest way to like deal with life, honestly. It's just pull that perspective up 3,000 feet and, you know, yeah. look at look at the world the way it is, right? It's, Absolutely. Yeah, I just thought it was really sweet. Their love comes through so strongly and like it's really cute. And it's nice knowing that this book was written in 2020, but mm-hmm. they now have a baby. They do. And there's been several noticeable hints that a second book is dropping. So I do believe we will both be reading that once it comes out. <laughs> oh, exciting. I didn't know that. That's exciting. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I really don't have much bad to say. What I will say is like it's not a a deep criticism there's not it's not a critique in in many ways it's really a nice simple entry point into Paris and moving to France as an outsider now I say outsider obviously in that there's a lot of privilege as he comes with a you know an EU passport it's it's a different experience than you know uh, a lot of other people who come to Paris as immigrants so it's a specific perspective, but I really enjoyed it. And I think for what it is, it's a fantastic, like, memoir-ish, yeah. memoir guide. Like A little bit. <laughs> no, that's a good way to say it, memoir guide. And I do like that it's from an Australian perspective. I think we get inundated with the American expat in Paris, you know? And so it's great sure. to get a male perspective instead of a female. And then the Australian perspective, because even if it is... Australia and a Western culture, it it was still cool to see little differences. Uh, And also for me to learn tidbits about Australia, it's not a place that I know all too well. Were there any areas of this book that had similarities with your book, the the one that you read? Yes, actually, uh, it's the terrorist attacks. Oh, wow. That's part of why I chose to talk about it in this episode is Lauren Elkin writes a book so this came out last year in 2022 but basically what it is it's notes that she wrote on her iphone during the year 2015 following the terrorist attacks and so it's a very interesting perspective of what life was like in paris in that year and i think that was what was very connecting to that of a lot of people just felt this could have been anyone and then getting yourself back into the metros or getting yourself back into the bus uh, after such an event can be really challenging. So I really enjoyed mm. Lauren Elkin's book, and it's very, very short. I read it a couple times, but literally in one sitting, because uh, they are just a series of daily notes. Some of them are a sentence or two. Some of them are a page. Uh, but she explores mostly herself. So it's mostly her internal dialogue. She talks about uh, Georges Perec, which is a uh, a French author who also is very famous for his observations of Paris. So I guess all of these books mm. tie together with people observing Paris and being fascinated by the daily workings of life. So Perec wrote a book mm. where he's like, the bus pulled up and this is what's happening. And so she was kind of exploring mm. that in her own very modern way. I would say that the book may not be for everyone. She goes into having... A miscarriage. She talks about again administration and being denied citizenship after applying for it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of personal stuff. You don't necessarily get a lot of information about the terrorist attacks. When I started, I was expecting a, a little bit more of a critique or dialogue about mm-hmm. that because that's kind of how the marketing was proposed for this book. But I would take away that this book has a lot of intentionality and awareness. 
and it made me more intentional about my commute that it's not just dead time it's it's time Mm. to observe and be aware of my surroundings and the people around me I think we get into the habit of putting our headphones on and zoning out I don't know about you're a big city commuter as well can you tap into that a little bit Oh yeah, totally. So I think it's 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 I'm I'm one of the extremes, right? Like I'm either so philosophical and looking at everything and thinking about my life and taking the time to observe and people watch and whatever, or I'm you know what, I'm just headphones in, head down, listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I would say the other big connection for me with Paris on Air and the Lauren Elkin book is also the courage. The courage that it takes for both of these mm-hmm. writers to write about their life and to share very intimate moments with the world because we liked it. We enjoyed reading it, but there's also people that will judge and critique. And that's hard when it's your story and you're sharing your story that you're not telling somebody else's story. And so I, I would say I really appreciated, I guess it's kind of a mix of courage, ego and gumption uh, to put yourself (laughs) out there in this way. And I really enjoyed the tidbits from both Oliver and Lauren Uh, And I highly recommend both books. I think that's a great point. I think memoirs are sometimes like there's the Prince Harry memoir, right? Where because of who he is, uh, everyone wants to read about what he says. But uh, to write a memoir as, you know, a regular person about your observations is not only brave, but it can have like greater implications for, you know, regular people. And so I I really enjoyed reading Oliver's book. And it sounds like Lauren's book is, is of a similar vein, you know, observations that just, you know, life is precious, life is wonderful. And like the little moments really definitely add up to being a beautiful life oh look how so happy i am today there you go (laughs) no the little moments i think yeah both books highlight those little moments and when you look back on those little moments you realize that they're much more than what they were and i think anyone can tap into that especially people living in a different environment a different country like you've often referenced you didn't realize the memories you were making until you went back to canada oh And I think that comes through in these books as well of it's good to reflect. It's good to pause. And I think that's a great lesson for us all to have is just pause a little bit more, reflect a little bit more and don't be afraid to laugh at yourself. (laughs) Oh, I can't end it better than that. That's perfect. I've loved this conversation. This is really wonderful. Yes. And a little shout out to end both Lena and Oliver also write children's books. So they've published three different children's books. If you're interested, they're Francophone approved books about animals in Paris. (laughs) So there's stuff for adults, there's stuff for children. And Lauren Elkin has published multiple books as well. So check out both of these authors. All right. Talk to you guys again soon. Bye. A bientôt.